Welcome to the Audit 15 Fun Podcast. My goal with this podcast is to bring relevant internal audit topics to the table at least every 15 days. Today, we have an audit drool. Three people. Andy Kovach is the communication guy. Sarah I. James, the author of Radical Reporting and Trainer. And Norman Marks legendary audit professional and his latest book to the audit community is on cybersecurity. Thank you all for joining the podcast. We're going to be talking about the no page, zero page audit report. So thank you all for joining for the benefit of the audience really quick here. Andy will go first. Sarah will go second. Norman will be the third one. Each will have two minutes and 30 seconds for their introduction. Each will have two minutes and 30 seconds for their response. And each will have two minutes for their closing remarks. With that said, Andy, the floor is yours. Thank you very much. So um, what is a page? If we look at the etymology of this word, it's coming into English in 1580 from the French pagin, which is coming from the Latin pagina. So it literally means a leaf of paper or papyrus fastened to others. Okay, right now, 2023, your audit report, there is no page. This isn't some philosophical point. This is the reality. This is what's happening. How come? Because from our research, what we found is that between 85 to 100% of your readers are reading from the screen, from a laptop, from a tablet, from a smartphone, from a computer. Now, maybe you're saying, so what? Big deal. What's the difference? Well, here's the difference. If you try to write your audit report for the screen the same way that you did for the page, you're going to have a problem because how much of the information can people recall from the screen? 80%. There is a 20% recall gap. This is not my research. This is coming from cognitive psychologist, Professor Rakifet Ackerman, and literacy professor Anne Mangan comes up with the same results. So we cannot report the way that we've reported before. There is no page, we've got to do things differently. So what does that look like? Here's my suggestion. Professor David Klopp, organizational behavior expert, came up in the 1970s with his experiential learner styles. There are four ways in which we can learn. Visually, by looking at images, uh, by watching videos, verbally, by reading words, auditorially by listening to live or recorded speech and kinesthetically by interacting, um, experimenting by doing. Okay, in the past, we've just appealed to the verbal. It's just been about writing, but that doesn't work anymore. How come? When the pandemic came, when we worked from home, we started to audit virtually on Microsoft Teams, on Zoom, on these platforms. You hit record, you become a video producer. You become an auditory producer. So why are we not creating video audit reports, podcast audit reports? Does that mean we scrap the written word? No, because we've got the verbal learners. But you cannot write for the screen in the same way that you did for the page because it's a scroll. We need to stop their eyes, stop the scroll at the right information. Finally, think about the kinesthetic learners. We can cater for them on the screen with hyperlinks, jump into the right information, Embedded video, drop down, spoilers, all of those things. So to, to me, the zero page audit report could be a real engagement game changer. 
Well, what do I say after that? Um, it's not going to be much of a duel or, or truel because I agree with everything that Andy just said. Um, now, I do have extremely strong opinions on certain and indeed many things. Um, but about this, I have to say I'm all about flexibility. As I say on training courses, as I reiterate in my book, a whole chapter of which is devoted to format, layout and different media do what works. And I mean, not what works for the internal audit team bubble. I mean, what works for not just readers, listeners, recipients, audience, however you define the people that you are communicating, not just to, but with what works for them. So people have heard me say before, that could be indeed a one-page report. Those have been very trendy lately. Um, it could be presentations, emails, videos, absolutely, interpretive dance, cave paintings, and why not a graphic novel? I would love to see a manga about an internal audit engagement. Andy, I think that's a challenge for you. Why not just not even a brief memo on those wondrous occasions when we finish an audit engagement and you know what? There are no material findings within the scope. It looks good. Pop along to the next first line regular meeting and just have a chat with them. And there you go. It's in the meeting minutes for people who really fetishize documentation. Um, there's always going to be, although Norman um, apparently has seen people who've moved away from this, fieldwork documentation for people who want all of the detail. But why subject everyone to this? Life is short. Attention spans are even shorter. And picking up on what Andy said, Liz Sandwith of the Chartered IIA and I ran a series of webinars in 2020 about how reporting and indeed comms were changing as a result of different ways of working. So many people said that with everyone working from home, they were getting more virtual FaceTime with people across the organization at all levels. It improved relationships. It improved communication. Didn't mean people took statements at face value or abdicated responsibility. It meant less documenting just for the sake of it and documenting defensively. Um, shorter reports where there were them, reports, and everyone was happier. So my remarks add up to do what works. My goodness, was a lot of wisdom from Andy and then and then Sarah. Um, I'm going to approach this from a slightly different perspective, but it may come out to perhaps the same result. And that is we are used to thinking about ourselves and not our customer. We think about what it is that we are doing and our standards is we need to communicate the results of our audit. Instead, we should look back at our mission, which is to help the organization and its leaders be successful in creating and preserving value. Now, what do they need from us is what we should be looking at. Um, you can think of this in, if you're interested in, in, in advancing your thinking, understand a little bit about lean principles, that you only do work that is going to create value to your customer. In our case, that is a direct customer on the board and in top management. And then you've got the indirect customer, which is the customer of the organization. And what we should be thinking about is what do they need to know? Now, years and years ago, and I'm a little older than anybody else here, maybe two of you had enough, but um, we used to talk about exception-based management. 
and that you're entitled as a manager to assume things are going well unless you hear otherwise. So if things are in fact, as Sarah has said, the audit was completed, everything is fine, if there are any issues that are being addressed, why do we even have to take a minute of senior management time? They don't need to know. They're entitled to assume that everything is fine. Do we even need to write a report? Do we even need to write a, a, complete a video or write a manga or even dance our results in, in hula? Do we even need to do that if they don't need to know because we're still taking up their time? So we need to understand what is it that each level of management needs to know from the work that we did. How can we add value to their decision-making and leadership of the organization? What information do they need to know? What do they need to make sure is happening? What do they need to follow up on? And it's not if that is the case. Remember that they, they hear things in the closing meeting. They hear things in the audit committee. Why write a report at all? We need to have zero-based reporting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're in complete agreement on this, which I, I'm not surprised. I mean, first of all, anyone who's read Sarah's book, Radical Reporting, if you haven't read Sarah's book, Radical Reporting, and you work in internal audit, there's something wrong with you, go and correct that, go buy it and read it. Because ultimately, this is what we're looking for. We're looking for radical changes to reporting, and this is what we're talking about today. Um, absolutely right. Do what works for your audience. There isn't any specific way to write the report, create the video, podcast, whatever. It's something that needs to work for your audience. I would kind of put it like this. I, I, I'll come to what, what Norman said first of all. We think of ourselves, not our customers, when we write those audit reports. I mean, I think that, that is blindingly obvious to anyone who's read an audit report. I understand why people do that, obviously, because they want to show, show the value of their work. We did all of this work, but you show your value by, by talking about the business and how we can, in, how we can remove the risk to the business objectives. That's how, by talking about the business, that's how you show the value. So it needs to fit in with your culture, right? If it's right for your culture, do it. I think that's absolutely right. Um, reporting for the sake of it, that's not what we want. Totally agree with that one. I think again, back to, back to Sarah's point, do what works. And this whole idea of the virtual time across, everybody was terrified of virtual audit when it came about. But when it happened, what do we see? We see all these bonuses from it. We see improved relationships. People get to know the auditors better. So we're really talking about more of that. And I think, again, I kind of look at it like this as well. If you're a, a chief audit executive, you're trying to attract talent. So you're trying to find, you're trying to get the MBA finance to come and work for you instead of going to perhaps an area where there's more co less conflict, right? How can you attract them? If you're giving them a platform, it's you that's going to make the video. It's your voice that they're going to hear. It's your face that they're going to see. Then you're giving them access to the top tier. So I think like that, we're offering those wonderful opportunities. What people are going to say about this, I'm sure, is, oh, what about the regulator? You don't understand what about the regulator. All right, so I'll tell you, this is anecdotal, right? We work for Unicredit. We do their report writing training for them. I was in their global conference in mid-December. So I'm talking about report writing, innovation, video, podcast, audit reports, all the stuff that we're doing. They sat me next to the deputy director general from the European Central Bank. They were all thinking that this guy was going to go nuts. What are you talking about? Videos, podcasts. 
he was the most enthusiastic in the coffee break. Let me tell you. Again, I completely agree with everything. And I think very often auditors use regulators as an excuse. A bigger boy did it and will run away. Um, and, you know, I think that's doing a disservice to pretty much everyone. Very often, um, people do associate the second and third lines with uh, conflict. And Andy, I'm glad you raised that. And there needs to be conflict. We need to know how to manage it. Um, but writing defensively by going into mind-knowing detail about every single control that you tested is not the way to do it. It will kill people from boredom, but it won't do anything else. But people do it because they can't think of any other way to deal with the fact that usually in our reports or however we communicate results, we are not to steal a wonderful phrase, tossing the rose petals. That comes, by the way, from um, um, Hardaway, Varshavsky et al. in their wonderful book, Why Business People Talk Like Idiots. Um, and it's all about plain language, which takes me to the point of culture. I think, yes, if the culture in an organization and in a team is a constructive, positive, sensible one, then um, it should welcome all of these. You can still have the fear factor. And I'll just finish by giving an example of um, one client who experimented with videos. And they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to create a three-minute video where the most junior member of the team is going to present, you know, the headlines. And then at the end, there's a link if you want to go and see the full report. What it did was fantastic because the most junior member of the team was invested, was being developed, knew that what they did would be seen by the audit committee, by board members. And that's also great for succession planning. It means that, you know, in a year or two, that kid, frankly, everyone's a kid to me now, goes along to an audit committee meeting and then said, oh, you know, that's great. You're the one who, um, who presented the, the payroll audit um, exec summary. You know, that was really good. And they engage with them. And it's just a really good way of building up confidence, building up skills, and then making those connections throughout the organization. What's radical about reporting and comms is not radical. It's what's always been there. It's about human beings interacting with other human beings. I want to pick up on, on that issue with the regulators, because I also hear this. Um, I don't know how many of you have seen my response to the, the draft of the II standards rewrite, in which I had serious criticism, including about them mandating certain things be included in the report, such as background, which is absolute nonsense. In a way, um, one of the things that came out of that was a response to my reply from a very experienced head of internal audit. They said, well, what about the regulators? The regulators need this, the regulators need that. And as Andy and Sarah have pointed out, that's an excuse. We don't actually go and ask the regulators what they need and what they really need. And, and I think that's, that's sort of lazy and, and, and hidden. But I want to share with you a different story. So this is not about me. This is about a gentleman called Phil Burbach when I was at Home Savings of America. At the end of every audit, he would go and sit with the, the senior vice president of the lending organization, which was his major customer. And they would talk about the audit. We think about communication as from us to them, 
Whereas in fact, it should be two way. And there's nothing more constructive and more valuable as than having a constructive discussion to talk about what we see, what they think, and in fact, actually understanding their own assessments and thoughts can influence um, us and them and come out with better, better ideas. And this is why when I was part of the IIA task force that came up with the core principles, we talked about this magic word of sharing our insights, assurance, advice, and insights. And that is going beyond what we may be that comfortable putting in any kind of formal communication, but we can actually have a dialogue and talk about how best to move forward, how best for a customer to move forward. Well, I think we've had a, a masterclass right there. I mean, that's absolutely nailed it. It's absolutely bang on. Communication is two-way. The word communication comes into English in the late 16th century from Latin communicare. It means to share and connect. You need two people to do that. So always remember your reader. If the way that you're writing makes them not want to read, then your, your writing is self-destructive. If the way that you're talking makes them not want to listen, then your speech is self-destructive. Stop doing that. Put them first. That's the first thing. Sarah's point about the junior members, absolutely right. What a platform, what an opportunity. What I would say never do with your video audit report on that is to use AI avatars. People using AI avatars. What Ooh. does that tell? Not awful. What does that tell your CEO? It tells them this. The, the first question they're going to ask is, why don't you show your guys, our guys, the guys that we employ? There are guys that we need to see. That's the opportunity that we need to be giving to the junior guys. The one page, you know, the zero page audit report, we see a lot about economy nowadays when we talk about the one page audit report. That's all good. Cut down the page. Economy is good. But the reality is this, there is no page. This is not some philosophical point. This is not the matrix. There is no spoon. This is not uh, René Magritte's, you know, it's reality. People read from the screen. So you need to make it fit for the screen. All right, here's, here's your challenge. If I were to say to your CEO, who is the most innovative communication group in this organization? I'm pretty sure they wouldn't say the internal auditors. But what that means their expectations low. So why not smash it? Why not give them a podcast that they can listen to the day of the audit committee while they're running around Wimbledon Common? Why not give them a video that they can watch coming in on the train? If that's what they want, make it work for your organization. That's, that's my final word on it. Again, nothing to disagree with here. Just picking up on the points again from Andy and Norman. At the beginning, Andy was talking about different ways people perceive information, different types of learners. I also think about accessibility a lot. And I'm constantly saying to my clients, it's not just about your templates, your layout, your font size. It's also about plain language. You know, are you not just confusing and irritating people? Are you actively excluding people through the way you communicate and in doing so, by the way, breaking the law? But never mm -hmm. mind that. Um, Norman talking about insights and dialogue, it reminds me of... Um, in between audit jobs, one job I had that was delightful was dealing with executive complaints in a global bank. People would call up screaming to speak to the group chief executive. I think, I know how you feel. I can't get any time with him. Um, but I found that the most useful thing when they were screaming and screaming and screaming, 
is also useful when working with the first line, when they're venting and stonewalling and giving bits of information. I would listen because Andy, you're the etymologist, you'll know about this. Auditor comes from the Latin audire, to listen. If we don't listen, we're not auditors. And my killer line when they had shouted or vented or grumped themselves out was, tell me more. So much wisdom. Thank you both Sarah and Andy for educating me today. I want to again come back to the customer perspective. Who is our customer? They are the busiest people that you'll ever get to meet and talk to. And not only are they very busy and their time is precious and they, they see it as, as precious, but they have the attention span of a gnat. And we can't afford to bore them. We can't afford to consume their valuable time without them seeing value in it. So we need to come to a point where they, they know that if we have something to say, it's important. And we don't tell them things that aren't important. So they don't see an audit report, oh, this is something I can listen to, or I can watch, or I can read, or I can dance to on my, as I'm jogging around Wilbur and Colin before the audit committee meeting. This is something I need to read right now because otherwise I wouldn't have received it. So that means that we not only need to keep our messaging concise and extremely timely. This is another issue we've got to, we can't wait for the formal report to tell people there's a problem. And we've got to have a constructive discussion about the nature of the problem, the facts of the problem and what to do about it. But we certainly got to look at it and see how can we get to the point where this is like one of those commotions where the inside auditors speak, everybody listens because they know that we are saying something that is valuable and they need to listen because it's important, not to us, but it's important to them. So we've got to stop saying, this is just as equally true. We've got to stop saying what isn't important. Sorry, I just, I've got to jump in. We had some uh, lovely compliments, Sarah and I from Norman. Uh, talking about wisdom, if you want wisdom, if you want an MBA in internal audit for free, <laughs> then subscribe to Norman's blog, seriously. Thank you so much. Norman you so is much, the Andy. Aristotle of audit. Absolutely. <laughs> Aristotle is the Don. He's the, he's the number one. Instant classic. Instant classic. Sarah, empowering your team. Norman, it's a two-way communication, right? It needs to be timely. And Andy... Let's raise the bar. Let's raise the expectations, right? From the internal audit group. So really appreciate you all being on the podcast. I'll throw a challenge here to the community because I know this is going to be a popular episode. So we talked about the zero page audit report today. I want to throw a challenge to the community here on the no work paper audit. How about that? So if anyone is interested in debating on that topic, I welcome your suggestion. So really appreciate you all being on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.